Hello and welcome fellow awesomeologists to Osmology. I'm Sue. And I'm Ben. And in this episode, we are taking off our fortune teller turbans and putting on the fedora a la Indiana Jones and looking back into history. Kind of, kind of, sort of, anyways. Kind of, sort of. Well, specifically, we are looking all the way back to February of 2021. That is just eight short months ago. Do you remember February of 2021? Barely. Yeah, neither do I. And we're going to revisit a fun blog post we shared. One of the great things about not remembering uh, February 2021 is that it was an exciting surprise to remember we shared this blog post. In this blog post, our team helped predict what was in store for us in 2021. So if you're not familiar, stop listening right now uh, and go to exclamation QSO, that's exclamation CUSO.com and check out the Our Predictions for 2021 post on our blog, or you can just listen on and check out the post later. We'll share the link. And what we did, and by we, I mean Sue, was ask our team four simple questions about what they thought 2021 had in store for us, because if there's anything that we learned in 2020, Sue, it's that life and our world is 100% predictable, right? Um, so I'm going to say maybe there's some predictability here, but uh, instead of dwelling on that, let's just dive in and see how we did. The first question we asked was, what do you think should be top of mind for people with your specialty or in the industries we served? And when I look back at this, here's the most self-serving answer I can possibly get for the two things that I think are interesting here. It is my response and your response. (laughs) But the reason I think this is interesting is seeing how things, seeing really how this played out. So uh, my thought at that time was that something that should be top of mind is investing time, sweat equity, and mindfulness in diversity, equity, and inclusion. And we've certainly talked plenty this year about DEI, both on the podcast with some of our guests and also internally and out in the real world. Um, And I think I'm I'm really patting myself on the back here, but I do think that I think that prediction bore out. You saw, you know, it was really at the sort of the end of 2020 coming into the beginning of 2021. There that was the season of the people who needed to budget like ourselves to put money behind an effort were really able to pivot and start making those plans. And you see. Uh, so much of that bearing out in the real world. And there are, there are even more opportunities for free and low cost webinars and education and online events centered around diversity, equity, and inclusion. You see a lot more discussion of how, uh, you know, how, how, what makes the business case uh, even though we don't want to feel cynical about diversity, equity, and inclusion, you know, a lot of the people we're talking to, like they have to keep the lights on, they have to keep their water and sewer <laughs> going. And so uh, the business case doesn't stop being important. So I do think, and I, and I, you know, honestly, if we started, I don't know that we decided we were going to try and tease 2022. I think this is only going to get bigger because in as people started to dive in, we really 
got the shared awareness that it's uh, it's a big effort. You don't get to just choose uh, one area and just be you know be great for women or people of color or you know the LGBTQ community. It's a lot, and it's about bringing people uh, bringing people to the table and being mindful about it. So there's me. That's my pen on the back. The thing that you said, Ben, <clears throat> and I think this is also interesting is that here's your quote we've all been chewed up and spit out by the pandemic uh how we make it through will show our true colors are we going to revert to old tactics are we going to continue to push to be newer better newer and progressive and so my question for you is uh do you do you have the same sense that i do that we have maybe two different groups of thought in certainly in the business world, maybe in the world as a whole, you have one group that is trying to figure out, you know, what's the next thing? Where, where do we need to innovate from here? Because we're not going back. And then you, we still have this other group of people that are like, that are talking about back to normal when things are the way they used to be and really trying to push that narrative that this quote unquote post COVID world is going to be business as usual in some way. Do you see that too? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you know, to be fair, uh, we should recognize that there's people everywhere in between those two extremes too, right? But, but you can't help but feel the two extremes, like the people that have just totally gone all in on everything that we learned in 2020. And, you know, um, whether we're talking about working from home or anything else, um, and then, yeah, definitely the people that are still holding on to that sliver of hope for back to normal, whatever that is. And, you know, the, the other thing to recognize, and, um, I, I really am trying to be fair and not dodge your question at the same time is, dodge um, <laughs> I think everybody is hungry for, if I can put it in virtual air quotes, back to normal, right? Like, mm -hmm. but I think what we're looking for or hungry for there is like a feeling of normal it's this mm. feeling of like and i don't know if it's you know eliminating that feeling of constant worry about what unforeseen thing might be happening next or the next turn in this whole thing or you know because it has definitely been this roller coaster right and this feeling of like as soon as you take a step forward it's two steps back and you're having this new challenge or this new thing to deal with and um, you know, the other, <laughs> I'm just going to keep stacking onto this answer, Sue. The other <laughs> thing, the other thing is, um, let's try and remember back to, you know, February, 2022 and earlier, like there were a lot of other things that we had to deal with that had a similar feeling, right. Where, you know, you maybe didn't know what was coming around the corner. You tried to make progress on a thing, but other circumstances held you back a little bit it just maybe wasn't as scary or maybe wasn't um so um you know it wasn't a thing that impacted every single person on your team and every customer or member you have so um you know the, the scale of this thing obviously makes it um super uh, unique and special but right. um uh, but yeah I, I i definitely the short answer is i definitely feel 
those two sides of the people that are just hungry for back to normal and, and the other folks that are just ready to move on with um, what we've learned and what we know and maybe the future that like we could craft or pick ourselves. Mm. And, it, and maybe it's the, exactly to your point, maybe it's trying to bring those two lines of thinking together by saying like, listen, you know, the, the, the back to normal people, what you want to feel like is that something in your life is somewhat predictable. Yeah. <laughs> you want, you don't want to be uh, constantly laboring under this sort of cloud of stress and what's going to change and what is not, what's going to be unforeseen. And, um, and that's okay. That's to use the word again, normal, but like, know that what you like, that's what you want. You don't, we don't need to go back to everything the way that it was for you to get to the place you are going to feel more comfortable. We just have to, like, we have to figure out what, what normal is going to start to feel like again. And, you know, to a certain extent, we have to, I think, more honoring that more progressive mindset, we have to decide, like, um, can we, can we just function never being completely settled again? Is that maybe a healthier mindset to be able to look at everything and be like, well, what if we burn the whole thing down? What, you know, what if all of our assumptions, like in the nicest way possible, uh, what if all of our assumptions, what if we just threw them away? What would that look like? And, you know, I think that would be a really cool and innovative mindset to start changing things like get, get beyond that. You know, we, I think we, let me keep stacking things now, as long as we're stacking things. Uh, we, for so many years, and maybe particularly in the work I've done in the credit union movement, but this is probably ubiquitous where, you know, you talk a lot about, a lot about that person who's like, well, we tried that and we, you know, and it didn't work. So we're never going to do it again. Like we are decades beyond that person. We can't even like, that is not even the mindset we can have now. Now, maybe the mindset is what if none of this was anything? What if we never did, you know, what if we pretend we didn't know any of this and started from the beginning and built a completely different foundation, you know? And yeah. I think a lot of that would be really unsettling, uh, especially for people who now are hungry for like, I just want to, I want to be able to turn on my TV and watch the prices right and not have <laughs> <laughs> everything seem, seem like a trash can fire, but, <sighs> but actually, but probably very good and good for a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. Um, I want to add on to what you just said, but I think there's going to be a space for me to revisit um, that hunger for returning to normal and the whole notion of we tried that thing before and it didn't work. So I'm going to try and remember to save that for a okay. future question. I do want to, yeah, I do just want to revisit one thing that you said at the beginning when you were talking about the DEI response too. Um, and just for what it's worth, I am so um, curious about what the next phase of all of that looks like. And let's be real, there's probably um, people and companies and stuff already working in this next phase where, mm -hmm. um, you know, DEI really is like woven into what they're doing. And um, I wonder if it's even called DEI anymore. You know, it's mm -hmm. just like the way that they operate now, the way that they do things, the way they 
hire and seek customers and seek members. And um, so, yeah, I, I don't, I don't really know um, quite how to say it because I don't know what it looks like yet, but I'm, you know, we, we mm-hmm. right now can pause and look at the last year and a half and say, yeah, there's this DEI movement that's really taken shape and created a lot of great uh, momentum. What will it look like in a year and a half from now? And I don't know. I'm curious to right. see. Right. Well, and, and you have to think too, that that is a thing that is constantly going to evolve because it's, because it covers, it's such a broad umbrella and because it covers things like um, country of origin and it covers economic conditions and all of these things, like there, there are always going to be differences. And, you know, we're, we're sort of programmed just the human brain. Like we, we seek out familiarity, we issue differences and there will always be something that we can say, well, this person is different than me in this way. And so it will never be, uh, it will never be a perfect utopia of not having to be mindful of differences. I think it will just evolve and, you know, and in 10 years, it'll be like, oh, you know how we did all that work 10 years ago and you felt like you had it all cracked. Well, you know, here's, here's a class that emerged or here's a segment of the population that's emerged since then. And, and we just straight up left them behind because we didn't think about that as a difference. Right. You know, and, and that's, that's, I think that's being pretty optimistic. That's saying in 10 years, we've solved everything that's happening right now. (laughs) So, so much so that we can create new ones, but you know, it might be further, further down the road. Yeah. I, if we're talking about, uh, since the theme of the day is future predictions, I think we can safely predict that it'll be longer than 10 years before we can have any kind of conversation like that. But the awareness of it, who knows what what, yeah. uh, what might change. All right, we should move on. Move yeah. on to number two. The second question we asked was, what is one thing you know will not change in 2021? And uh, yeah, some interesting feedback on this one too. I am going to uh, also uh, mention your response, Sue, but there was some good feedback from others too. Um, and in particularly, um, one person talked about um, how specifically the credit union movement, but I'm sure every industry is looking for, is going to be looking for soft skill training, culture training, um, you know, maybe we can attach DEI to some of that too, but um, just the stressing the importance of living, being respectful, not making assumptions. And of course, in a time when we're all maybe working a little differently than we're used to, even if it's been a year of, you know, working from home or uh, this new world that we're in, uh, even if we're still kind of figuring it out, uh, to remind yourselves of some of those really fundamental um, skills of how to interact with people. Um, is super important. And I think uh, this is a prediction that was right on, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I'll also just say too, uh, especially if anyone's listening and realizing like, oh man, we haven't done any work like that this year. Uh, I think for what it's worth, that's okay. We've all been on the hamster wheel, right? Where 
we've been kind of spinning and spinning and maybe just trying to figure out where to put our priorities and what to focus on next and strategy and all of that. So it's okay if some of this stuff was maybe kind of out of sight, out of mind for you, uh, but um, maybe something to consider about and, or to consider and uh, maybe decide whether or not you want to work on it as a person or as an individual and make it a part of your plan. But yeah, uh, definitely. Well, let me, sorry. Yeah. I'm doing that thing again where I'm so excited about what I'm about to say. You finish, <laughs> and then I have something to say. I'm so used to it by now, though, too. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so Are I think... Go ahead. Yes. I think, you know, what I what I really... To, you know, speaking to your, your comment about some places that maybe are saying they haven't worked on this, like, we, we really are not to be overdramatic. I, and I don't think it's overdramatic. We're talking about a period of time with shared trauma, right? And even if you're saying like, we haven't done a soft skills class or we haven't talked about this in our monthly meetings, what you have done is the thing that I think we all do, hopefully, as, as we are individually healing from trauma throughout our lives, which is to try and self-regulate and go, oh, I'm reacting to that thing uh, out of my trauma and not out of what's reality. And we're doing that for each other. So even if you're not having a soft skills class, you are saying like, maybe to your coworker, maybe to your team, like, okay, well, let's, let's talk about what that person might be going through. And okay. And we all know one big thing that person's going through, (laughs) but also what are the other things? What are the other extenuating circumstances or you know, having more, certainly I've, I've heard this a lot, like from the credit union call center team sort of chatter and the service chatter where, you know, we have managers now that are saying like, remember people are like, they've lost their patience. We've all been going through a thing. So let that inform, you know, how you're reacting to these people. And if that, like, if we're just in maintenance mode with that, and just trying to be able to consciously work through trauma, like that is working on soft skills. Keep doing it. You're awesome. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent advice. Uh, The other response uh, from you, Sue, was uh, talking about how the competition for our audience's attention is going to continue to grow. Um, obviously messages coming at people from every direction and in every kind of way, but also maybe even um, a visible um, uptick in things like digital marketing and stuff like that. You know, some of the changes that we saw, like in the credit union movement, like adoption of online services and, uh, you know, mobile banking and things like that. Um, We see some of that in marketing and advertising too, where, you know, there was kind of this transition from maybe some traditional ways to uh, more of an emphasis on uh, digital. Not that there's still not, uh, you know, in our world today, uh, a place for some of those traditional marketing efforts and stuff like that. But um, we definitely have seen uh, a higher priority on some of those digital channels. And the other thing that you mentioned was the challenge of uh, that we'll have specifically in 2021, and it'll continue to grow in the future, um, of always trying to figure out how we can reach the right people, right time, say the right things. Uh, and I think that 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 reminds me of what we were talking about in the first question about that whole concept of, you know, we tried that once or we've we've tried that before it didn't work, or maybe it did work, but um, we don't need to do it again, whatever the reason is. 
um, that your reflection tells you to do or not do a thing. Um, I do think that there's a reset button that needs to be hit on all of that. Not to say that we need to forget what we've learned, but um, we, as much as we want to sit here and talk about how we predicted the future for 2021, um, there's a lot that we didn't predict and there's a lot that we'll just never know. And I think the same is definitely going to apply to the future. And who knows what traditional things we used to do might be something that people are really hungry for in the future, you know, and thinking of that group of people that are so ready for back to normal and doing the air quotes thing again. Um, there might be a really, really captivating and interesting time in the future to do some of the stuff that we did a couple of years ago, or maybe even longer ago that uh, we just haven't done recently because of the state of the world or because that maybe that stuff just kind of sat in the archives for us. So I don't even know specifically what I could give as an example, but thinking of like in-person events, you know, I mean, this virtual world that we've been living in, there's so many conveniences that have come with it. I mean, think about the amount of content that we've probably assumed in the last year and a half, because we can attend all that virtual stuff, cheap, free, or easy and in our sweatpants, right? Um, How will that swing back to like how hungry will people be to get on a plane go to a conference somewhere see people hug people I know right now that might still feel a little like I don't know not ready but um, I mean will the in-person event just have this new value that it didn't have a year and a half ago so to say maybe we tried doing an in-person event for the way that we want to present that content and we didn't get a great response. Nobody, nobody came or the audience was too small and it wasn't worth the investment. Well, I don't know, maybe you want to try that again now because people are going to be really ready for that stuff. Maybe they even already are now. So interesting to think about what stuff we might need to bring back or try. Yeah, well, and I think uh, there, there's something about that sort of, like a boutique feel that you could bring to something, right? So we, we talk a lot about the, the experience, the user's experience with something or, you know, uh, when they interact with it. And I think as some of this stuff and stuff from two years, stuff from 10 years, stuff from 30 years ago, however you want to repackage a thing that maybe you tried and didn't work, I think there, people are hungry for experiences. And this is a super prime time to think about packaging something in, and I'm trying to decide if I should break down what I mean by boutique for the benefit of people, you know, listening. And what I mean is making it special, making it, you know, you think about uh, boutique, like actually physically walking into a boutique, it's curated. It, it has a feeling if, if that boutique is meant, if you're that boutique's customer, you walk in and you feel at home and it feels right to you. And there's, there's just a sense of perfection to it. And if you can connect even an old idea, a retired idea and make it a boutique feeling for someone, uh, and like that starts to, e- that even maybe starts to transcend that right time, right place, right person thing, 
because now now you have snagged them now if it's if it's even if it's the wrong person <laughs> like you've made an impression you've made that boutique impression and uh if they're not going to be your customer they're going to recommend you right so yeah that maybe that'll be my buzzword maybe i'm going to go like all in on the boutique feel yeah. for 2022 it's like that's our theme for 2022 boutique yeah. marketing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we're done with guerrilla oh, marketing we just want it to <laughs> we want it to just smell nice and right. there to be soft music down. yes yes <laughs> No, but I mean, there, there's no denying like the value or the intrigue behind, you know, that a, a boutique strategy like that, or if we can just step back and, um, you know, maybe generalize it a little bit more, just the power of nostalgia, right? I mean, it's the reason why when we have galas and stuff, we still dress up like it's the 20s because there's a feeling associated with that, right? You know, so um, there's there's definitely power there and proof that it still works and that it worked even you know pre-pandemic yeah yeah well and i think where we are in history not to go completely off on this tangent this is definitely a conversation we're having again where we where we are in history what's so fun about it is that the people that we need to talk to like we have such a we have such a breadth of history that even if people weren't there it like we have we like marketers have been uh have been relying on nostalgia for so long now that like you point out the the gala and like you could do a great gatsby gala and your customer probably was not alive in the 20s right they have no idea <laughs> very good they're odds not, of that yeah they're not roaring 20s people who were you know at a speakeasy in the 20s but like they're they're pulling nostalgia from this whole other place or you know maybe even more interestingly they're manufacturing it and you just you just have to be a part of that manufacturing of that nostalgia and capitalize on it gross that was the grossest sales thing i've ever said <laughs> i should be stopped <laughs> i forgive you I appreciate that. Okay, should we move on? We should. Our next question is, what is a big change that you'd advise a client to be ready for in 2021? And I am very, I'm incredibly glad that I highlighted this one because I do think it's pertinent to a lot of the rest of our conversation. We had one of our uh, HR friends wanted to talk about employee mental health. She says, employee mental health, the needs for frontline managers to recognize the signs and have the tools to address it. And I think as things, as things wear on, it was already important, like in the end of 2020, going into the beginning of 2021, to be thinking about how, how we can keep our people and our frontline people, certainly, but anyone working, how we can keep them in a headspace that uh, that's good for them, that's good for the business, that's good for the community. Like there's there's just a lot. And people's, I think people's uh, bandwidth 
certainly as we came, you know, I'm think I'm trying to think back to the end of 2020 and uh, that feeling of we had had a summer where we're like, we can be outside now. <laughs> <laughs> outside seems safe and and then things started you know cases started going back up and we were back in the house and it, I think that was a really tough time for a lot of people and people's bandwidth really shrank so uh, when our HR friend points us out like very pertinent to that time and now like things things have gone on I don't think it's any a surprise to this is not a shocking revelation much longer than we thought they would, you know? And so if you were already burnt out at Christmas time in 2020, <laughs> uh, you've, it's been a long road and, you know, for, and for some people, uh, the, you know, the availability of vaccines, lifts, lifting some restrictions, you know, as those things have cycled through, I think they have, given a lot of us sort of a respite, right? From, from that feeling of being, you know, constantly, I don't know, constant bad news, I guess is really what it was. Uh, but, you know, the, the longer it, the longer we are unsettled, particularly moving this back to the business and away from the personal, the longer we don't know how next week or next month or next year looks from a business perspective or what, you know, the, the longer we can't plan with any, with what we thought was certainty five years ago, and we thought planning was normal. Um, the more, I think, uh, being aware of how that affects people's mental health and what, you know, co coming back to the idea of changing and innovating, like what that means because again, knowing that, knowing this is shared trauma, right? We see it on a grand scale. Everyone's going through this. Uh, well, not everyone, but this big group of people is. Uh, but that's, that doesn't mean that in quote unquote normal times, people aren't going through the same kind of stuff individually. And so we have this great, opportunity now to recognize what does that, what effect does trauma have on a team and uh, how can, what can we do to recognize that? What can we do to combat that? When, and, and when are we willing as leaders, as organizations to say, I can't fix what's happening so uh, I'm going to give this employee or this group of employees um, the freedom and the space to do what they need to do to take, take better care of themselves. That, that sounded unduly harsh, but what I, basically what I'm saying is um, making it best, the best we can within our organization, a healthy culture where we're honoring you know, um, people where they're at, and then when we know that our culture isn't going to fix someone, quote unquote, giving them the time off, uh, the pay, whatever they need to get the help they need. Right. That was, that was a big sweeping statement 
from someone who is uh, has zero practical metal, medical experience. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, it's something to recognize too is, and, and none of this is easy. What you just said um, is not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy solution. Um, but just an, another variable in the whole mental health. Um, I was going to say game. It's not a game, <laughs> but um, that whole topic is um, trusting and, <clears throat> excuse me, trusting and empowering people to do what they need to do. Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, I mean, there's only so much control that we as, you know, fellow coworkers or as an organization can do for people. We have a responsibility to provide support and help. And um, I think that there's a lot of places with the new awareness and kind of awakening around mental health, um, especially in our country. Um, there's, there's a lot of support, I think that's there, but then th- there is a certain point where that support needs to be um, met with something else from other people, other groups that can provide support and from people themselves to um, really have a feeling and a sense of empowerment that it is okay for me to, to talk about this at the least. It's, Mm -hmm. it's okay for me to try and do something about it. Um, and that maybe has been one of the bigger hurdles, I think, for us to really make much, um, forward movement on, um, and the state of mental health in the country is, you know, we've just for so long been this greater culture of, you know, punching in, working, mm. not complaining, not taking time for yourself. Um, you know, the perception of being a quitter if you move on to a new job or of being lazy if you call in sick or, you know, whatever, right? Like all of those old things uh, that I, I think we've definitely seen progress on, but there's, there's probably a good distance to go yet to be in a really, truly healthy place. Yeah. Well, in, uh, an- another example is uh, that I think about pretty, pretty often more as is someone who leans introverted, doesn't lean introverted. I'm a hundred percent an introvert, but this, I, this concept of, uh, getting out of your box, right? And creating, constantly creating this culture of only valuing employees when they are, you know, pushing themselves outside of their box um, and how that probably runs contrary to honoring someone's struggle with mental health because the box people, sometimes the box people are in, those are walls that are meant to protect them. And so you're, you're essentially, you know, other people, it's like, like you said, it's hard because you do have to make a distinction. Some people just aren't trying a thing because they don't want to try a thing. Other people aren't trying a thing because they have created a barrier mm-hmm. that protects them from it. Right. And so, you know, and this, and it ties back to DEI because it ties you know, from that inclusion standpoint and thinking not just about the policies and the, uh, the sort of general, the mindset we have, but thinking about the language we have and, you know, 
not and trying to move away from using things like oh you know oh you know it's it's crazy that you did that or oh well you know i i had to move that because my you know, my ocd like some of these things like i if i'm not uh if i am not diagnosed yeah. that's basically that's basically saying like uh something that someone else is born with or prone to or experienced through trauma is uh a thing that everyone should be able to laugh at and it's all fine right, right. right. so I think this is, and in the way, you know, the way it ties to DEI, it's such a big conversation. Um, and uh, I'll like, predict in 10 years, it's, it's all better. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I'm compelled to give our uh, IT friends a little bit of love because there were some great predictions too, as Please. far as... Uh, um, changes and predictions for 2021. And um, there was both a mention of building a cybersecurity framework and getting to it fast, making it a priority, especially if you're a credit union. And then also a mention of examiners and auditors uh, wanting to know what you're doing to make sure your vendors are stable and secure and everything else that might go into a, to a, an exam or an audit. So um, yep. Yes. And yes. Uh, <laughs> So um, I think it was worth recognizing that those are a couple of predictions that are definitely true and are likely going to still have to be a priority uh, in the near future. Well, and I mean, really always, but um, just yeah. as that landscape continues to change, uh, just things to be mindful of for sure. Yeah, I do. I think the last, the last year or two were, uh, we saw a lot of great examples of how the, the bad guys, the fraudsters are like 10 steps ahead of us, you know, right. and, and are able to say, oh, well, everybody's working from home. So now, you know, what's our answer to that? You know, and, and it really, it's interesting. It's uh, maybe a little disheartening to think that the bad guys who are out to, uh, you know, all to cause problems with cybersecurity and uh, out to steal data and things like that are, so far ahead of the people who are really just trying to figure out, you know, how do you get everybody to work from home and still come to meetings and be, <laughs> right. yeah, and make that all work. Uh, so, well, yeah. I think I think we need to move on to our fourth question and kind of go into rapid fire mode here. We're running out of time. Let's do uh, it. So the fourth and final question that we mentioned was, um, or, or that we asked was. What's a personal change that you're planning to make for 2021, which I thought was a great way to wrap up um, this post because, you know, a lot of the changes that we've been talking about are maybe bigger picture, organizational, industry-wide, and a lot of times those changes uh, have to start down at the individual level, right, or a, a personal change. So um, a really nice way to kind of button up the conversation. But um, yeah, some uh interesting feedback on those for sure. And a lot of it really, um, really had this theme of learning, right? Like continual learning, continual uh, improvement, personally, professionally. Uh, there was mentions of getting better at the software that people use, taking in content like podcasts and uh, stuff like that. Shameless plug for our podcast, right? But also I suppose it maybe isn't too shameless because since I'm plugging it to the people that are actually listening to it right now, but, um, but yeah, uh, 
getting outside of comfort zones, which how crazy is it to think that somebody actually responded pushing comfort zones after a year where everybody was forced out of anything right. comfortable, right? Um, but, you know, maybe a silver lining of, of the whole thing is that um, we were maybe forced to doing some things that made us uncomfortable in 2020 and um, we made it. So yeah. maybe we can push ourselves to keep, keep pushing a bit uh, into 2021 and, and, and the future for sure. Did you notice anything interesting in that last question? I, I think, uh, exactly what you're saying about all of the responses really being around learning and growth and, and what a, you know, kudos to our team, because I do think that that's a mindset that this group of people really take no matter what, but to see it, uh, to see it in the end of 2020 going into 2021 and still having people be like, well, I have to grow more. And, you know, and maybe, maybe it is the case that we, it was this general recognition of, uh, I really thought I was learning and growing. I really thought I was adaptable. And then everything went crazy. And now I realized I'm not adaptable. I don't like change as much as I told everybody. And that's the thing I need to work on, right. you know? Yeah. And uh, I, I just really think in my opinion, because I've been at the credit union 735 years, I can tell you that uh, the way the way you keep growing is you keep learning and the people who have dug in their heels and said like nope I'm done I can't learn anything else I don't need to know that whatever um they don't they don't move forward they don't succeed right. and uh, a growth mindset it, it's not just a it's not a cool buzzword it's it's vital it's right. uh, that's the only way that you continue to be employed. <laughs> <laughs> so let's look back on our uh, four questions here in our conversation today. How do you think we did, Sue, as a group? Uh, how do we do on our predict predictions for 2021? Uh, you know, it's it's interesting because when you first proposed this as a topic, I was like, oh, maybe we shouldn't. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> it was so. But I, I actually, I think we did really well. I I definitely score us a at least a nine out of 10. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. I think my big takeaway from like reflecting on these questions and people's responses and, you know, thinking about how we might be able to make a podcast episode out of this, I think like a, a learning that I have from the last hour or so is um, like, even at a time where we all knew and were prepared for it to be unpredictable another roller coaster, uh, using the words of one person from her response where they said, I bet it'll be a doozy next year. Like we knew, <laughs> we knew that 2021 was going to be a doozy. And here we are in October, almost through it. Mm. Um, there's still a lot that we predicted, like pretty much right on the money, you know, like there, there were some, some of these responses are exactly things that we've talked about, that we've done, that we've focused on this year. So I think, and, and really to give us as humans credit, looking back, even on 2020, when things were super chaotic, and uh, certainly at times it felt like we were maybe on the hamster wheel. 
um, we still were in control of a lot and we still were able to plan and execute things because we have information, we have data, we have expertise, uh, and we have the skills to do things. So I think, um, you know, even as, as crazy as we knew 2021 was going to be, we were able to predict a lot of it and, and get a lot done. And I think that looking ahead into 2022, you can't help but say, yeah, there's probably still a certain amount of unknown, but we can take the information that we have now, what we learned in 2021 and even before, and we can apply it to make 2022 a good year, right. personally, professionally, whatever it might be. And of course, some of that maybe um, might be impacted by attitude, uh, which is super important too. But um, even just using the data and the facts and the things that we know and our skills and expertise, we can, we can move forward even in a crazy world. Yeah. And, you know, just final thought on that for me. And really, this, this uh, is my opportunity to shout out the clients that we work with uh, right. to, to a person. Every single one of our clients went into 2021 um, best foot forward. We did not hear from anyone like, well, I don't know what to do. And, and that can be uh, in, in our job to support them. That could be really difficult for us to uh, be able to give them what they're looking for, to be able to uh, really collaborate with them. If we, if we had people whose attitudes were, mm, you know, maybe we need to scale back, whatever. We had no one uh, from our clients that... Uh, we're interested in hiding under a rock. Everybody was looking just as forward and, and they kicked, they kicked butt. Like they kept yeah. every single one of them kept moving forward. And, uh, it like that, I think that made for me personally, for our team, it made 2021 a really, and it's not over yet, but a great year because when you surround yourself with people who have hope, uh, you you become a just more hopeful organization, and you you get to continue to do things that you love to do uh, with with that hope in mind and forward looking. So there, that well was said. that was as shameless as I can get. But they are <laughs> I are, I I wouldn't have said it that way if you didn't know I already uh, schmoozed them like that in person. Yeah, right. Everything you just said, we'd say with them in the room. It's all good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Wow. Uh, well, it's weird because it's time to transition to our something awesome segment, even though I feel like especially the last few minutes of our reflection was pretty awesome. But this whole episode has been pretty awesome. But let's do that. Let's get into our closing here and our something awesome segment where we recommend uh, content, books, experiences, uh, cool things that we've uh, just been through. And uh, for me, I'm, I'll kick it off. Uh, I've, I've shared before on the podcast that I'm, I don't know, amateur at best, but an amateur stargazer. I love looking up. I love seeing the sky. Uh, and we, I think today is actually the day of the real full moon, but last night it was almost as full as it can be, right? Like super close. Um, anyways, it was beautiful. It came over the horizon and had this awesome orange color. Uh, and I was able to get a couple pictures of it before it hit itself behind the clouds. 
Um, so it was, it was really cool. I, I think I've probably like intentionally went out and, you know, set up with a tripod and everything and like tried to shoot photograph not shoot the moon i understand the bullet won't make it to the moon but photograph the moon <laughs> Maybe an arrow. Uh, yeah with oh yeah I, I just need an arrow yeah <laughs> um no but i've tried to photograph the moon like that probably i don't know four or five times like really um with purpose and planning and intention behind it and last night was one of those nights even though it was kind of cut short by the clouds um but i got out there a little bit too early um which was okay because it was nice to be prepared. Um, but one uh, thing that we'll share the link to is an app that I use called Skylight, which um, shows you where a lot of other things are besides the moon, including the planets. And you can you know show it up at the sky and it'll show you where constellations are and stuff. So it's a really cool app if you like looking at the sky uh, at night. Um, but it was super helpful for me as someone trying to photograph the earliest point I possibly could when the moon would come over the horizon. So it was as big as possible and as orange as possible. Um, and so it was just really cool for me to get set up and know that I had uh, precisely like 17 minutes to go and do whatever else I wanted to do and then be back at the camera in time for the moon to be where it was uh, over the horizon. So uh, the app is awesome. Staring at the moon is awesome, especially when it's full uh, and just looking up into the cosmos is always uh, something that I geek out about but um so if that's a thing you haven't done before i would encourage it it's peaceful um it's just a really uh, cool way to kind of separate yourself from the buzz of the world if you have the the space to do it and i'm fortunate to have a nice big backyard where i can get out and enjoy the nature yeah and you're further away from town too now yeah yeah a so little is it further better? Out of town. Is it better less it is better yeah because where we used to be um there was kind of a ridge if you were looking uh to the east and uh by the time the moon actually like rose over the trees and stuff uh, it was just high enough in the sky where it i mean sometimes it you know depending on where it was as far as its proximity to earth sometimes looked a little bit bigger but it was pretty typical and now where I'm at I can kind of peek out through the woods and see it um, when it just gets over the horizon or over the tree line and it's much bigger so yeah some cool cool testing to do here and get some cool shots awesome love it well my something awesome I I I might have already shared this at some point on the podcast I don't think it I've shared it since you and I have been co-hosts but if I haven't shared it, I don't know why I wouldn't. My absolute favorite podcast, uh, which I think, so full disclaimer, it is not safe for work. Do not turn it on and listen to it in your office, especially if you work in a cubicle farm. <laughs> it is not that kind of podcast, uh, but it is, uh, it's called The Dollop. And it is a history podcast in which a uh, it's two comedians co-host it. One of them, his name is Dave Anthony, reads a story from history to his co-host. And what if, first of all, they are hilariously funny and they riff on the story. And also you get to have the experience of listening to someone learn things about history that we aren't learning in school hmm. in real time. 
So it is. So at the second that you're like, what is happening? You have his co-host Gareth Reynolds is saying that probably. Right. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. What's going on? So it is an absolute banger of a podcast. But again, not safe for work. <laughs> Do not pretend that I told you this is something you could live and listen to with your kids because <laughs> it is not like that. The language is blue, but really well researched, really smart, very interesting stories that they do. They've done like some that are really sort of early American history. They've all periods of history they do. And probably the most, the thing that I get the most out of it is when, when they start a story that is actually leading up to current events. So you can kind of say, oh my gosh, that is how we got to where we are. Or they talk about something that parallels something happened currently. And you can go, I don't know why we didn't learn that lesson. Sure. (laughs) But it is excellent. Again, let me say for the fifth time, not safe for work, (laughs) but really well done. And I I have, okay, this is my humble brag. I have gotten to see them live Uh, and there is photographic evidence. I got to meet them and hug them. Wow. I know, right? And I have an autograph and everything. Nice. Whatever. I don't want to brag. (laughs) I don't want to brag, but... (laughs) Well, we'll share all that stuff with the audience, right? Yes. And I will add in parentheses, not safe for work along with mine. Perfect. Awesome. So we will share those links below. Here's your reminder. You can find us, uh, find us on your favorite podcast app, or you can jump over to our blog, exclamationcuso.com slash blog. You will, we will share the link to the blog we referred to in this post, in this podcast words so hard uh but you can see all kinds of different things including by the time this one comes out we have a another blog post i'm very excited about and the name i can't say will have already been in the world so once you see this then go back to our last blog post because i think you'll really like that one too if you like this fair yeah it rhymes with what are you half massing massing i suppose (laughs) Very close to that, actually. Glassing? Glassing? (laughs) Flossing? No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, be sure to check that one out. And until next time, thank you, friends, for tuning in. This is Sue and Ben, your certified professors of awesomeology, reminding you that life's awesome if you make it awesome. We'll see you next time.